than to find reasons to belittle Thaddeus Thurkle. Like all bondsmen, he was dirty and ragged, but he was half a head taller than most Dorset men, and his swarthy skin, long black hair and almond-shaped eyes bore no resemblance to the man he called father, short-limbed, weasley-faced Will Thurkle. One rumour had it that Eva Thurkle had run away to Malcolm to sleep with a sailor, Another, that Thaddeus was the result of a snatched coupling with a passing gypsy. Whatever the truth, the father hated the son, and the son hated the father. The boy had been subjected to daily beatings while he was growing up, but these days Will was too afraid of him to lift the stick, for it was said that Thaddeus could bend an iron bar over his knee and fell a grown man with a single punch to the head. He paid lip service to his lowly place in Devlish, ducking his head when he had to, but there was no respect in the way he did it. He looked past people as if they weren't there, particularly the man who acknowledged him as a son. Will Thurkle was lazy and resented the ad opus work he was expected to do for the manor in return for his strips of land. Even as a young boy, Thaddeus had had to sweat in his father's place on the threat that his mother would be given the rod if he didn't. A sad and sorry woman without an ounce of spirit. Eva had had more than her share of punishment down the years. Only the dwarfish, pale-skinned children who came after Thaddeus had been spared her husband's wrath. This wasn't to say that Eleanor had any sympathy for Eva. The harlot had known the rules when she lay in sin with another, and it was her own fault if she couldn't pass her bastard off as Will's. Gossip said she'd tried to claim Thaddeus was the product of rape, but few believed her, since she hadn't mentioned violation until the swarthy baby, so different from her husband, arrived. The stain of illegitimacy made Thaddeus as sinful as his mother, though you wouldn't think it to watch him. He carried his head high instead of hanging it in shame. Eleanor liked the idea of bringing Thaddeus Thurkle to his knees. He was six years older than she was, and she dreamt of humbling him. As the temperature rose, he shed his tunic and laboured on in short hose and a loose-fitting shirt with rolled-up sleeves. It pleased the girl to spy on him. It pleased her even more to think he knew she was doing it. When he tied a piece of cloth around his forehead to keep the sweat from his eyes, he stared directly at her window and her cheeks flushed rosy red from guilty desire. It was her father's fault for promising her to the ugly, pock-marked son of a neighbouring lord whose domain, larger than Devlish's, was two days' ride away. She faced a joyless future married to Peter of Bradmain, who was so puny he could barely sit astride a horse. Eleanor's own pony, a pretty little bay jennet with white stockings, was cropping grass in the part of her father's domain that lay beyond the moat. She was tempted to go outside and demand Thaddeus saddle it and assist her to mount. If he dared to look at her while he was doing it, she would slice his face with her crop. This amusing fantasy was cut short by the sound of her mother's footsteps on the stairs. Eleanor scurried back to her stool and her embroidery, and pretended industry where there was none. Her feelings for Lady Anne bordered on hatred, because Eleanor knew perfectly well that she had her mother to thank for choosing Peter of Bradmain as a husband. Lady Anne preferred duty and discipline to love. She had been brought up by nuns, and should have taken vows since her favourite pastime was nagging and lecturing her daughter about her failings. 
Eleanor could tell from the silence that Lady Anne was counting how many stitches had been added to the design since last she looked. It's too warm, she declared mutinously. My fingers keep slipping on the needle. You don't sew it for me, daughter. You sew it for yourself. If you see no merit in the task, then choose something more rewarding to do. There is nothing. Through the open window, Lady Anne could hear the shuffle of horses' hooves on the baked mud of the forecourt below, as Sir Richard's retinue mustered for the journey. In the fields beyond the moat, she could see the serfs at the back-breaking task of making hay. Closer in, Thaddeus Thurkle sweated over the wattle fence. It wasn't difficult to guess what Eleanor had been doing with her time. Your father summons you to say goodbye, she said. He will be gone a fortnight. The girl rose. I shall tell him I don't want him to go. As you please. Eleanor stamped her foot. It's you who makes him go.